Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? Okay, so there are definitely some people here I don't know, so I'm going to introduce myself. My name is Brett. I am uh, one of the pastors here, executive pastor here at FBCW, and uh, Scott has given me the great opportunity to come and share with you guys this evening uh, while he's preaching on Sunday morning. So excited to do that. You're going to get to hear next week from one of your volunteers, Zach McCray, and then the week after that, you get to hear from Scott's brother, Brian, right? Okay, cool. And we're in a series that Scott kind of kicked off last week called The Kingdom, um, which I'll kind of be continuing with a little bit tonight. Um, but before we get started, I want to share a story that happened just a couple weeks ago. I was over at Qdoba. How many of you like Qdoba? Everybody here? Great establishment. We uh, One of our volunteers is not here tonight. Joe Lizer is the whatever regional manager or district manager, whatever he is, assistant to the regional manager. And... Um, so if you need a job, go see him. Uh, he will hire you for sure. Uh, he hires everybody and gives them a chance until you don't do your job, and then he'll fire you. But um, Joe, so I was over at Qdoba for dinner. I was having a dinner meeting with one of our ministry volunteers, um, actually Joe's wife, who serves in our um, women's ministry. And so we were meeting, and we were talking about a couple things, and Joe came over and sat down, and we were all just kind of talking together. And all of a sudden, Joe and I notice that this car in the parking lot, and if you, if you know Qdoba, I know where it is, it's just like slowly creeping towards the building. And I'm looking at this car and realizing that there is no one in the driver's seat. This is a true story. So this car is just coming towards Qdoba. There's no one in the driver's seat. It's just inching towards the building. What happened is some lady went inside to pick up food and for some reason forgot to put the car in park and like left and the car just started coming towards the building unattended to. And so Joe, in very heroic fashion, you can ask him about this, he ran outside and got in the car and like turned it off, put it in park and saved the day. He came back inside, everybody started clapping for him, it was awesome. But there's one more part of the story that you need to know. What you need to know is that there was, actually was someone in the car. And there was a kid who was probably um, one of your guys' age, probably, who was sitting in the passenger seat with his headphones on, watching YouTube on his phone. And he had absolutely no idea, no clue that the car was moving. I'm serious. Like, he came inside, his mom is freaking out on him, like, in the restaurant. And he's just like, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I was watching something on YouTube. And uh, so not, not a great day for Generation Z. I'll just say that. Not a great day for Generation Z in that regard. But I, but I start with that story tonight, A, because I want to just paint Joe Lizer in a good light. But I start with that story tonight because I want us to understand that sometimes our greatest issue in life is, like we're, is that we're like that kid at Qdoba in the car with his headphones on and watching YouTube. Sometimes we're so fixated with what is right in front of us, with what is happening immediately in front of our face, what we're immediately dealing with, that we don't notice what's going on around us. In short, sometimes we're so consumed with what's happening right in front of us that we don't or can't see what's coming for us. 
we miss out on what's truly important because we're controlled by the immediate. And so I'm here tonight, yes, I'm here tonight to, to continue in this series. Yes, I'm here tonight to give a break to Scott, who's preaching on Sunday mornings. But the real reason I'm here is just to hopefully be a voice to call you, regardless of how old you are, regardless of how mature you are, regardless of what you have going on in your life, just to, to call you, hopefully, to stop looking, to pull your eyes away from what is happening right in front of your face and hopefully look towards what is coming for you or what has come for you. My, my prayer for you, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, wherever you are in life, my, my prayer for you is that you'll see what is truly important, what truly matters, Ben, and I don't want you to miss it like that kid missed it. So I just want to spend a few minutes talking about what does really matter. Here's what's really important for us to understand. Our world is a jacked up, messed up place. Okay. Does anybody just raise your hand if you agree with that statement? Our world is messed up. It's, it is messed up. It is jacked up. And, and we know that because of um, ourselves. You know, I see it in my life and some of the things that I want to do some of the ways that I think about certain people who make me really mad. You know, I, I, I think about it in terms of other people that I know who are just struggling through some things. And I'm sure you can think about it in your life as something that, hey, you know, you, you know some things in your life that are, that are pretty messed up. So maybe some choices that you're making, some things that you're thinking about, and you know it's just kind of broken, it's just kind of messy. And, and we all know it in the way that other people have treated us. Now, let's be honest, we know this world is messed up, and we know the people are messed up because we've been hurt by a lot of messed up people. You know, maybe it's a friend who betrayed you, or maybe it's a, a guy or a girl who made promises to you and, and told you things, and they broke your heart. Maybe it's the way you were abandoned by someone that you were counting on. It doesn't have to be, even be in, in personal relationships. We see it in our world, how messed up people are with all the injustice that's happening, all, all of the racism and the discrimination, the human trafficking, the, the slavery that's going on in our world. We don't need to be told that our world is messy. We don't need to be informed of the crap that is happening. Am I allowed to say crap here? Okay, yeah, I should say I, I've heard some of the things that you do from this stage, so I don't need to worry about anything. You know, but we don't need to be informed of the crap. I won't use any gestures, I promise, but um, informed of the crap that's all around us because we know it's there and we experience it and we see it. And this is where we need to know that God sees it too. So, so it's no, there's no point of talking about how messed up our world is if we don't understand that God sees how messed up our world is. That God is not immune to our pain. God does not sit idly by and watch us struggle, not willing or able to do anything about it. God knows how messed up our world is. He knows how messed up we are, and he knows up how messed up the people who have hurt us are. And so I just need you to know, this is another thing I need you to know tonight. I need you to know that whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you're going through, I need you to know that on all the ways that you're hurting or you have hurt, that God sees you. He sees you and he knows you. And just because God made, this is, this is, if I could just impart like one thing of wisdom that I wish I would have learned when, when I was younger, it's that, it's that 
Just because God feels absent doesn't mean that he's absent. Just because, just because God feels absent, just because it feels like God isn't there, doesn't mean that he isn't there. God is always present in your pain. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you've been through, God is there for you and he sees you. So a couple um, years ago, maybe, maybe three or four years ago, I was working for a, another church and it was after one of our services had let out and I was, I was walking back into the lobby and I saw a little girl, probably like maybe a year older than Gwen, who's sitting back there. How old's Gwen? Is she two? Okay, so she's, yeah, Ruthie was probably three. And uh, she was the granddaughter of one of the pastors on our staff. And she was out in the lobby of this church and um, she had gotten her hands on a big glass um, water, like flower pot, flower vase. Yeah, vase, thank you. She had gotten her hands on a big glass flower vase that was sitting on a table in the lobby. And it was one of those things you walk out, I was the only like even close to an adult that was out there. And you walk out in there and you see her and she's by herself, I don't know how she wandered off. And she has this thing and you're just, please do not drop this. Please do not drop this on this hard floor. Please do not drop this. And sure enough, she just drops it. And there's glass just splatters all over herself, all over the floor. She starts freaking out. She's crying. I'm freaking out. I'm crying. I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And so what do I do? What would you do if you were in that situation? What would you, somebody, what would you do? You would, you would go into the mess and you would pick her up and take her out, right? And so that's what I did. I didn't sit there. These were, here, there are two things I didn't do. I didn't sit there and see her in this pile of glass as a three-year-old kid and just go, huh, that's interesting. I'm going to go get someone to work on that. I didn't, I didn't stand there and go, Ruthie, I cannot believe that you did that. You're going to have to figure out a way out of this as a three-year-old kid. You're going to have to figure a way out of this mess. I didn't do that. I went into the mess, and, and I'm by no means a hero, but I just went in instinctively, and I grabbed her out and pulled her out, cleaned her up, got her to her parents, got her to her grandparents, and we took care of it, and we cleaned up the mess. And so what you need to understand tonight is that God does the same thing with us. So God not only sees our pain. He, he doesn't just stand there and watch it. He actually does something about it. See, God, for generation after generation, has watched his people struggle. He's watched his people be in pain. And rather than just seeing it, he does something in it. And what he did with our pain, what he did with our struggle, what he did with our messes, what this whole series and what, what really this entire Easter season, what the entire Christian faith is all about. See, God not only knew that we were a mess, he, knew, he not only knew that our world was a mess, and the people around us were a mess. He knew, too, that we had no way to clean ourselves up. And so God looks down, and he sees the evil, and he sees the hurting, and he sees the pain, and he sees the struggle. And, and God has those options that I had. He could just watch it happen. He could shame us and, and call us to, to try to get ourselves and clean ourselves out. You know, you got yourselves into this mess, and so you got to get yourself out of this mess. And, and as mean and as, as unlike God that would sound, he's totally justified in doing it because he didn't make the mess. And he's not obligated to clean it up. But that's not what he does. What God actually does is he looks down and he sees us. 
in everything that we've ever done, everything, everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever said, every intention you've ever had that, that maybe nobody else even knows about. He looks down and he sees all of it and he decides to clean the mess up himself. And so our Father in, sev- in heaven sends Jesus Christ, his son, to earth. And Jesus doesn't come, I want you to know this too tonight, Jesus doesn't come to earth and he doesn't judge you. Jesus doesn't come to earth and, and condemn you. He doesn't come and tell you how terrible you are or how, how messed up you are. Jesus comes as a savior and he comes as a rescuer of your life. And one of the most famous passages in the Bible is John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But I really like John, 17, or John 3, 17, because it continues, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So Jesus didn't come here to condemn you. Jesus didn't come here to judge you. Jesus came into the world in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus, in other words, Jesus didn't come to shame us in your mess. He didn't come to shame you in your mess. Jesus came to clean up your mess. And in cleaning up your mess, he created the thing that we're talking about in this series. He created a better way forward. He ushered in a new rule and a new reign of his kingdom. And he cleans up your mess and he invites you into that kingdom. And there's a prophecy that's made in, in the book of Zechariah, which is the kind of the focus of this series, Zechariah 9, 9, the prophet, he, may, he makes this prophecy. He says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So what the prophet Zechariah is, is talking about, what he's pointing to here is the coming of a new king, the coming of a new kingdom, a a king who, as he says, is coming for you. He invites you in, and he makes you a part of his family. He welcomes you into a new reign, one that doesn't include the mess that you have previously dealt with. He comes for you not to shame you, but to make you clean, to bring you into his kingdom that has come. And this is where, if, if I just want you to make sure you hear this tonight. If you didn't hear anything else, I want you to just make sure you understand the next, next few minutes here. Because there's something powerful that this means for all of us. Because I don't know about you, but it's hard for me sometimes to focus on that new kingdom when the old kingdom, when all the stuff that's going on is so, it's just all this crap happening around you. You know, we said at the very beginning of this message, our, our greatest problem is that sometimes you know, we're just consumed with what's happening around us and so we, we can't see what's coming for us. We lose focus on the king and the new kingdom because we still feel like we're in the mess. And so we miss the important because we're fixated on the immediate. And we talked tonight about a few things that we need to know that our world is messed up, that we're messed up and we have no way to clean it up, but also that Jesus has come to condemn not to condemn the world, but to save and to rescue. And that it was God's plan for us to be clean. But there's two more things I want you to know tonight, and I hope this is what you take away. So Zechariah 9.9 says that the king has come for you. And because the king has come for you, because this new kingdom has arrived, I just want you to know that you have nothing to lose and you have nothing to prove. Because the king has come for you, you have nothing to lose and you have nothing to prove. 
You have nothing to lose, and so that means that no one can take anything from you that God has given you. Your identity in Christ, no one can change that. Your value and your worth, no one has the power to make that less. Whatever God says about you, you are. Whatever God says about you, you are. So you really think that a high school boy or a middle school girl has a power to say something about you that God doesn't say? They don't. Whatever God says about you, you are. And we've already seen, obviously, how God feels about us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to the world to die for us. He, he loves us so much that he let his son come and clean up our mess. And so you are infinitely worthy and you are infinitely valuable when you're found in Jesus Christ. No one can take that away from you because the king has come from you, come for you. You have nothing to lose. And because you have nothing to lose, you have absolutely nothing to prove to anyone. Man, if there's one regret that I had above all others from my time, you know, just, just growing up, it's that I spent way too much time trying to prove myself to people who, quite frankly, were of no consequence to me. I wanted to be seen a certain way, and I wanted to, to change who I was to fit into some mold because of people, quite frankly, I didn't even like. And trying to prove yourself is just exhausting, so I'm just going to encourage you to just stop it. And rest in the fact that your God has got you. He sees you and he loves you for who you are and not who you think you should be. So because the king has come for you, yes, you have nothing to lose, but you also have nothing to prove. And that's what you need to know because, guys, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to be like that kid in the car at Kedoba and be so consumed with what's right in front of you that you miss what's coming for you. Because Jesus has come for you. You are infinitely loved by him, period, end of story. And, and just so you know, there is nothing you can do to make him love you more than he already does. And there is nothing you have done that can make him love you less than he already does. He loves you, period, end of story. He knows your story and he's not mad at you. He loves you and he's chosen you and he's come for you. He's the king who has come for you. And because of that, you have nothing to lose and you have nothing to prove. And so I just know there's a bunch of people in this room, there's a bunch of adults in this room who love you, who care for you, who are here for you. If you need anything at all, please feel free to talk to us. Please feel free to come up to us. We, we're here for you because we just want you to get it and we don't want you to miss it. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to clean up your mess. And because he has come, you have nothing to lose and you have nothing to prove. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity just to spend a few quick moments talking to these, these students. Uh, God, I pray that you would just give them greater faith than I had at their age. Uh, God, I pray that you would give them just a greater desire for you than I had at their age. And God, I pray that you would help them to realize uh, their truths, the things that you say about them quicker and just with more power than I did when I was their age. God, may they just be drenched in your gospel and in your grace. May they understand that you love them and that there's nothing they can do to make you love them more. There's nothing that they have done that will make you love them less. God, we just, we just want to rest in you tonight and understand that in you, because you have come, because you are our king, because you are our savior and our rescuer, God, that we have nothing to lose and we have nothing to prove. And so, God, as we stand and we, and we sing, I just pray that we would reflect that truth tonight. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You guys